Is no one here? Good morning, church. All righty. It is uh, super rainy outside, super cold, so uh, I expect everyone, you know, is probably at home or at Buddy's uh, launch this morning. And so I'm super thankful for those of you that were able to make it this morning. Uh, we actually had dinner at Grace, Grayson and Sarah Grace's house on Thursday, and uh, we walked in, and, and Grayson sounded not like Grayson. I thought there was an intruder or, you know, someone in his house uh, because he had something wrong with his throat. I don't know what was going on. But uh, he said, hey, you know, can you be prepared just in case, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with allergies. Uh, my voice is not strong like yours, Tyler. If, if you could, <laughs> if you could be prepared, I would be, I would be greatly uh, appreciative. And so, I thought it was just a joke, you know. I was like, all right, Friday, he'll be fine. It's just allergies. Allergies don't last for more than like two days or something like that, right? And so Friday, I'm at work, and, and he sends me a text, and he says, uh, can you like prepare something for real? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I should probably do that then. And so it was like lunchtime on Friday, and I just started reading in Joshua 2. That's where we're going to be this morning, and started writing down, and, and uh, right before lunch, you know, we're texting, and I say, okay, I got it. And he's like, what do you mean? You already have, you have your outline already? And I'm like, I, well, it's something. It's better than nothing, okay? So we're going to be all right. And so it's just, a, I just prepared it. You know, I wasn't expecting to use it. I was like, surely, Grayson will be fine on Saturday. So Saturday comes, and Grayson texts me, hey, I'm going to need you to preach tomorrow. And I said, okay, no problem. I'm not going to church tomorrow. Because this is too short notice. I can't do this. And so, you know, I looked at Brittany and I said, I'm going to be preaching tomorrow. I need to probably look over this outline that I made in 20 minutes. And we should probably get it figured out. And so uh, I, have, I have, you know, spent as much time as I can on it. I've prayed over it more than anything. And so I believe 100% that, you know, it is not by my strength. It is not Tyler that is coming up here to 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 preach, to teach. It is by God's strength alone. And so with that being said, right, this is what, if you're taking notes, if, if, if you want to memorize anything from this morning, you know, if you're texting someone right now during the sermon, this is what I want you to text them. God doesn't need you. See how it's super quiet after I said that? We're going to be hurting some toes today. Okay, we're going to be hurting some feelings today, but I want you to remember God doesn't need you. I'm not finished with that statement. We'll come back to it at the end, but I just want you to have that on your mind right now as you're probably cutting your eyes at me saying Tyler doesn't know what he's talking about. You're right, but I think that we're going to learn something today if we would. So as I was reading in Joshua 2, I was trying to think of some kind of personal story that I could use to, to help us understand what, what I believe God wants us to learn this morning. And so uh, <laughs> I immediately thought to this past week and in an altercation that I had with our youngest son, Titus. And if any of you have met Titus, you know that Titus is very strong-willed, okay? If Titus believes that something is the way that he believes it is, that's just the way it is. 
Okay, and so he loves to, uh, to build Legos. He's in this Lego phase right now. And so he brought home this Lego set that was uh, Pokemon. Uh, Bobby's not in here right now, but he would love this part of the sermon. Uh, it was a Meowth. If you know what a Meowth is, it's a Pokemon that looks like a cat. That's all it is. It's a Meowth. And so he brought home this Lego set, and he was trying to put it together on, on the countertop, and he was struggling, and, and Brittany looks at me, and she's like, can you please just help him? He doesn't know what he's doing. Can you please help him? And so I say, okay. I come up to the countertop. He hadn't even have the package opened yet. And so I said, well, let's open the package. He was already being difficult just opening the package. So I was like, I'm, I, can't, I can't help you here. Like, I can't help you if you don't want me to help you. So we get the package open. He starts to forget the instructions. All right, Titus is a boy. He will be a man because he doesn't like the instructions. He threw the instructions to the side. He just starts connecting all the little pieces together. It looks nothing like a Meowth. It just looks like a line of just connected whatever. So, finally, I come up to the counter, and I'm going to help him. I say, Titus, you didn't follow the instructions. There's instructions, you didn't follow them. So now, this is not a Meowth. This is just whatever it is. And so he goes, no, 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 this is what it's supposed to look like. I did everything that I was supposed to do. You're wrong. I'm right. So I say, okay. Get mad all you want. That's not a Meowth. It doesn't look like the picture. Whatever. We can just sit here and debate all day, but that's not a Meowth. So he gets up, grabs his tablet, storms into the room. I'm not doing this. He has bigger things to worry about. Grabs his tablet, leaves. So while he is in the bedroom watching his tablet, watching YouTube, of course, noob family. Don't know if that's a Christian YouTube channel. I don't believe it is, but that's what he watches. While he's in the room watching his YouTube, I go ahead, I, I undo everything that he did, start from square one, follow the instructions, and I build the Meowth. I build it for him. So I leave it sitting on, on, the, on the countertop. I go and sit back down on, on the couch. And so finally, he comes back into the kitchen, and he sees that the Meowth is built on the countertop. And he says, thank you. Thank you for building me out for me. Well, after Brittany told him to, to say thank you. <laughs> Let's just keep that, keep that there. But he says, thank you for building, for building me out for me. So basically, what I want you to learn from this story is that I didn't need Titus to build the Meowth. I was perfectly capable of building the Meowth on my own. Because, well, I had the instructions, but I was, I was capable... <laughs> of following the instructions to build the Meowth. Titus was not capable of building the Meowth. Titus needed my help to build the Meowth. I did not need Titus's. I would have loved to have Titus there so that we could build the Meowth together, but I didn't necessarily need him to build it. And so today, what I, what I hope to show you, what I hope that we will learn from the scripture in Joshua 2, is that God doesn't need us. He desires us. He wants us. He loves us. But he does not need us for his plan to move forward. Last week, Ricky finished up Joshua 1, where Joshua was basically giving a pep talk to the, to the Israelites and getting them ready for this mission. You know, they're going to go into 
uh, Jericho. They're going to take down Jericho. And so in Joshua 2, we're getting ready to see Joshua is going to send two spies into Jericho to basically spy out the land and, and try to find some kind of uh, military advancement, some kind of intelligence that they can use in this mission. And so let's, let's begin reading in, uh, in Joshua 2, verse 1. Uh, and we're just going to read the first verse. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Right, so we'll get to the second part of that first verse in a moment, but um, this first verse is going to show us that, in layman's terms, God is a gangster. All right, it, it, what we need to learn is that Jericho was one of the uh, greatest, uh, hardest enemies to defeat. Jericho had this huge wall built around their city. The wall was so thick that they could have chariots running on top of the wall, right, for, for shows. It was that thick. It was, it was that, um, that type of a force. You couldn't get in. You couldn't. It was, it was known in that time as the city that couldn't be defeated. And so uh, God says, I'm going to lead my people to defeat it first. Right? We're not going to start with some little nation and just work our way up. We're going, to, we're going to start with the biggest, the baddest, and we're going to take them down first. That's a power move. Right? That was to send a message. Right? We're going to take down Jericho, and when we take down Jericho, other nations are going to know the fear of God. That we have a powerful and mighty God and His wrath is more than you could ever understand. This is as if, you know, obviously I'm a Georgia fan, right? I think that's pretty, everybody might know that. But if you don't, I am. Georgia football, uh, you know, back to back, no big deal. This is if TCU were to say, let's play Georgia first game next season. Mind you, we beat TCU 65-7. to Right? No big deal. It was practice. If TCU were to say, hey, you know what? After that, let's play them first game just to get ready for the season. Let's get things in motion. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. They would get mollywopped again. Okay? Right? Mollywopped. Y'all don't hear that often from the stage, but I, that's what I'm here for. Okay? I'm going to teach you some things. All right? Um, but no, it's, it's the same thing. Jericho was the most difficult enemy to defeat because of de their defense. Um, but what we're going to see is that even the most difficult enemy, the, the enemy that is the hardest to defeat, knew, they knew about the power of God. The greatest defense system could not escape God's wrath. And the people inside... Right? What we're going to learn is that uh, they were rejecting God. This doesn't mean that they didn't know who God was. They knew everything that God could do, but they chose to live a life that was not honorable to God. They chose to reject God. 
And so now in comes the person of the story, the main character of the story. Her name is Rahab, right? It says, uh, so they left and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Um, these spies, two spies find themselves in the house of a prostitute, right? So there's, there's little, you know, we try to figure out why would the spies go to the house of a prostitute? Were they trying to take in some of the activities that would, that would be happening there? Maybe, but probably, right, we have to think that in these, these innkeepers' houses, these, um, can't think of the word right now, but it's fine, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of intelligence. There's a lot of big-time people that are coming to these, these, uh, these houses, and they're giving uh, intelligence. You know, there's a lot of information to be had at these types of places. And so the spies go there. They meet Rahab, and we'll continue in verse 2. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the city gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up to them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the uh, fords of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the city gate was shut. So first things first, we, we see Rahab lies to the city officials. Um, she lied, but she lies for the sake of these strangers that she doesn't even know. There, there's something, there has to be something, right? There has to be something that she sees with these strangers, because why would you lie for two people that you don't even know? Right, she has no idea who these people are, just that they're spies and they're coming for information. She, she lies, right, ultimately in the face of sin, and immediately, what we're going to see is this transition. She immediately trades in her house of rejection for a home in salvation. That's what's about to happen in this little paragraph here. She's trading in her house of rejection for a home in salvation. Because what was Jericho? What was in Jericho? They, these people in Jericho, they lived a life where all they did, they, they, they partied, they had these idols, obviously they had a lot of these brothels, that was the word I was trying to think of earlier, brothels. They, they rejected God, they did all these things, that they worshipped all these other things instead of worshipping God, and Rahab is in the middle of this rejection. And for some reason, she chooses that I will reject, I will live in this life no longer, because there is something better. 
out there. And in this story, we see a picture of how Jesus can meet us exactly where we are, in our filth, in our sin, in our, in our, in our depression, in our anxiety. Wherever we are exactly right now, Jesus can meet you. You are never too far gone. You are never too far away from God where he cannot meet you. And he offers us redemption and a washing, a renewing, a washing of our sin and a a renewing of our soul. But it starts with the courage to defend what you know is right. Rahab was a part, was, she was a foreigner. She was in a foreign land that worshiped other foreign gods, but she, she knew that something was, a right, was right about this God of the Israelites. Something was right. And so what we're about to see that is that salvation is available to all. And it starts in verse 8. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof, and she said to them, right, this, this, this is it right here, this is so important, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water on the Red Sea, right? They have heard before you came out of Egypt. They had heard what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my brother, my, my uh, mother, my sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. The men answered her, we will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, since she lived in a house that was built into a wall of the city. Go to the hill country so that the men pursuing you won't find you, she said to them. Hide there for three days until they return. Afterward, Go on your way. Then the men said to her, We will be free from this oath you made us swear, uh, unless when we enter the land you tie this scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down. Bring your father, mother, brothers, and all your father's family into your house. If anyone goes out of the doors, Of your house, his death will be his own fault, and we will be innocent. But if anyone with you in the house should be harmed, his death will be our fault. And if you report our mission, we are free from the oath you made us swear. 
Let it be as you say, she replied. She sent them away after they had gone, and she tied the scarlet cord to the window. Rahab was a foreigner. And we see right here she has such faith that she will be saved. Where is our faith that we have been saved? A foreigner in a foreign land. Before, before I came up to preach today, we all met in the back room and, and um, everybody prayed over me. And Isaac actually said a prayer, and he said uh, something to the, to the sort of, uh, Tyler, I know you've had little time to prepare, but there are people in foreign places that have no time to prepare. All they have is the Holy Spirit to guide them in the moment, to say what they need to say, to bring salvation to, to a people in a land that don't know God. So where is our faith? like Rahab, to believe in God. Everyone around here rejected God. And that doesn't, know, that doesn't mean that they didn't know God. It means that they knew God and they chose to worship other things. She says here that everyone has heard of what their God, our God, has done. Everyone knows what our God has done, and, and to that point, then they decide still not to worship, not to believe. Rahab makes a decision to leave rejection and put her faith in God for protection. All right, let me, let, me, let me say that again because a couple of you are distracted. It's okay, we have babies in this service, and that is just fine. Because babies bring the most happiness to our, our Lord, our Father. He says, let the little children come to me first. So I, I have no problem with our, our, our babies being in this service. I want, I, want, I want you to hear this again. Rahab makes the decision to leave rejection and put her faith in God for protection. In response to her faith and courage, the spies, they offer her this promise, this covenant. They offer her salvation through this scarlet rope. Right? I want you to know that this scarlet rope is Jesus. This is the, the imagery, the picture of Jesus in this story is this, is this scarlet rope that she lets them down by. And it's obviously a lot thicker and a lot longer than this little you know, rope here. But um, this is the picture. This is Jesus. This is what uh, salvation is offered to us as well. It's available to all of us, and if we would have faith in God and believe in Jesus Christ, there is salvation from the wrath of judgment that we have earned through our sin. Because we, we see Jericho and we think, oh, why would God destroy Jericho? And it's because their, their sin, their rejection of God has led them to a place where God's wrath and God's judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming no matter what. God's judgment is coming on all of us, but if we choose to trust in Jesus, if we choose to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came down from heaven, that he lived a perfect life, and that he died for our sins, that he defeated sin in the grave on the cross, and that he was resurrected three days later, 
and he will save us. There is salvation. We, we no longer, he will represent us to God the Father. Because he took our place. And we actually see the same picture of salvation all throughout the scripture. You know, in, in this story, it's, it's the scarlet rope. and the Passover, it was the blood of, of a clean uh, sacrifice on the walls. And when, when the angel of death would come by to kill all the firstborns, if the blood was on your doorpost, he would pass over you. And your family would be safe. Your for, firstborn would be, would be safe. It's salvation. And, I, and I, I have this here because I, I love that I, I was researching and I found it. Uh, it says, theologians and Bible students sometimes refer to the scarlet thread running through the Bible. And by this, they mean that the Bible's theme is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for the redemption of mankind. See, Jesus is not just in the New Testament. I don't know if if you knew that, but there's a lot of people that seem to think that the Old Testament and the New Testament are two completely separate entities. But Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus is the New Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In John 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was created through Him, and nothing was created except through him, right? So everything that we see, if you just look around, it was all created by God for God. By God for God, right? And so I want to come back to God. I said at the beginning, God doesn't need you because, and I want you to understand this, God doesn't need you because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. This one encounter would lead to Rahab's salvation. And then from Rahab's salvation, she would go on to marry a prince of Judah. And then from that marriage, right, many years later, Jesus would come from the lineage of Rahab, a prostitute. A Gentile, someone not of God's people. But because of Rahab, we can believe that we are all welcomed into the family of God. We are all welcomed into this place called heaven, where we can, we can spend eternity with the Father. Ricky has said it so many times, but we, we think of this place we think of hell as a place that is just fire and brimstone, right? But really, hell is a place where we will be eternally separated from God. That is hell. That is what, you, you see that picture and it, it makes you think of, of what an eternity separated from God would be like. It would be hell. But there is a way that we can spend eternity into heaven. It's just to put our trust in Jesus. And I actually want to read um, from 2 Corinthians. I didn't have it prepared, but I wrote it down. So I'm going to read from my trusty Bible on my phone. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 
verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. So if you, if you take this one moment in Rahab's life, and you put it up, and you would, you would see before, and then you would see after. The before would look so incredibly different from the after that you would have to think that something must have happened. Some drastic transformation, some drastic change must have happened because this woman who was a prostitute is no longer. She has faith. And when we put our trust in Jesus, he changes us. Speaking for myself, I can tell you that the day that I I met Jesus and I heard him call me, he said, follow me. My life has never looked the same since before that moment. Before that moment, I I was a partier. I was into drugs. My kids are in here. And I was in drugs. I was, I was into alcohol. I was, I was having sex with, with multiple women. I was an adulterer. I was lustful, right? Whatever you want to say is, is, is a bad person. That's who I was. And I, and I found myself at this conference for high schoolers, and there was this one Wednesday night where everything just changed and I was standing there, and I I heard a call from God. And he said, basically, you have tried to live your life the way that you want. Come try to follow me. Try it my way and see what happens. And now I'm up here, you know, preaching God's word and trying to get people to understand that God does not care about what you've done. He does not care about where you've been. He doesn't care about the filth. He doesn't care about the dirtiness. He just wants you. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. He desires you. Isaac, if you would come up, I'm going to get ready to close here in in a minute so we can all go get some lunch. Bobby, Bobby. Jesus is a savior for those who choose to trust in him. But he is also a judge for those who choose to reject him. And that is, that is what Jericho is going to come to find out in these next couple chapters. But what I also want you to understand is that this trip, this chapter in Joshua, it really doesn't do anything to help the Israelites, right? In the beginning, we, we saw that Joshua sent two spies to try to get some type of military advantage, and it doesn't. They don't get that. There's no intelligence that we read of or, or anything. They come back, and, and this is what they say. The men returned, came down from the hill country and crossed the Jordan. Uh, they went to the sun or Joshua, son of Nun, and reported everything that had happened to them. They told Joshua, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicked, panicking because of us. They already, God had already told them that he was going to give them Jericho. So, so what this trip done is it, it increased their faith if, if not, if they didn't already trust God's word, but it was for Rahab. This trip was to save Rahab, right? And 
We hear all about, you know, God leaving the 99 for the one. This is that story. This trip was to save Rahab, a prostitute. Someone who seemingly was impossible to save. Right? Because that's what we would say if we were to come across a prostitute. If we were to come across a homeless man or a homeless woman. We just passed them by. We saw it a couple weeks ago. We went to go eat at Sully's Steamers. And there was a homeless woman. It was cold and it was rainy outside. And there was a homeless woman standing outside the door. And there were so many people that were making it a point to not have to come across, to not have to pass her by. They would walk all the way around. And so we walked up to her and we said, hey, can we get you some food? Can we get you something to drink, something warm, something warm to drink? And she goes, yeah. And I said, you know, Brittany, she's way smarter than me. She goes, do you have any allergies? And she goes, no. And I said, I'm glad you asked because I wouldn't have, I would have just got her whatever. And so we went in and we got her a, a bacon, egg, and cheese uh, bagel and got her a drink. And it was cold. And so I asked the worker, I said, hey, I know I didn't pay for it, but could you guys spare a cup of coffee? There's a woman outside. She's really cold. And so he goes, yeah, you know, I'll, get the, I'll get the cup. I'll get the coffee. And so he, he gave the coffee to her. And uh, I went out and I took her food. And I said, hey, come inside. And she looked at me and she, she was confused. I said, no, no, no. I paid for you. You can come inside. Whenever we come to trust in Jesus, Jesus has paid for us. So we can come inside. We can have an eternity in heaven with Jesus because he has paid for us. He paid the price. Whatever your life has led up to this moment, I need you to know that Jesus has already paid the price. If you would just trust in Jesus, you could come inside. There's no one that's too far. So I, I, I want to come back because I told you about the story with Titus and, and being able to build his Meowth. He had another Lego set that was sitting on the counter, and you know, this was last night. And uh, we had finished eating dinner, and I said, Titus, did, did you get another Lego set? And he said, yeah. And so he brought it up to me. He said, can you build it for me, please? He has, he has faith now that I can build it for him. He can trust me to follow the instructions to build it correctly. He didn't even want to help, so we, we still have to work on that. But he has faith that I can, I, can, I can take care of it and that I will take care of it for him. And so today I'm asking if you could have the faith to trust that God has you right where he wants you. Wherever you are right now today, God has put you in a place where you can use the gifts, the talents that he has already given you for his kingdom, for the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't need you, but he welcomes you into his plan if you have faith, and faith takes courage. So be strong 
and be courageous. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Joshua too. Thank you for being a God that leaves the 99 to save the one, God, because we are the one. God, we have sinned against you. We have rejected you, God, but you have offered us salvation still because you love us, God. God, I think right now in in Genesis where it says that you spoke and the earth was created. You spoke and you spoke, but whenever, God, you made man, it says that you came down and you formed man and you breathed life into man. That is how much you care for us, God. That is how much you love us, God. And so this morning, I, I, I just pray that you would let everyone know how much you love them in their heart right now, God, that you would, you would have them just move, to have their heart rattle, and that they would just seek you right now, God. No matter where they are, what they've been going through, God, what this week has looked like, what their life has looked like, God, that you would just fill them with all your love and just lo- let them know that you are their father and you love them, you care for them. First Peter 5 cast all your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you, God. So I pray that you would just continue to just just allow your Holy Spirit to just fill this place, fill these people, God, and accept them. Allow them to accept you, accept the truth of Jesus Christ. I pray that we will go into this week and that we will be um, just so enthusiastic about what God has gifted us, our talents and our gifts, and that we would use them to further the kingdom of heaven. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you were encouraged by the message. At ID Clifton, we exist to love God, love others, and make disciples. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and events, please visit us at idclifton.com. We'll see you next time.